Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Episode 12 of Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm half of your host team, Jason Tiffin. Tom, that's my other half of the podcast team. Is Tom. Yeah, that's me. Tom, you know what? They low down, they dirty, they some snitches. They are. Who am I talking about? <laughs> That'd be the UT volunteers. Correct, sir. It is the third Saturday of October, which is actually the fourth Saturday of October uh, this go around. And I think I've told this story before. Mickey Kahn, who is a I went to college with, he played. He walked on to Alabama, and he was one of those guys that made special teams kickoff. And you know that when during kickoff, I remember growing up, and and they would kick. You know, whoever I was watching, whether it be Mississippi State or Alabama or whoever, they would kick the ball, and it would go deep and end zone. The guy would catch it and take a knee, and the kickoff team would sprint down as fast as they could and continue sprinting and i'm like why do they do that and now i know why because that's the only time they get on the field a lot of them you know on special teams but he was one of those special teams kamikazes and i think he's coaching with Dabo swinney now if i'm not mistaken but anyway <clears throat> went to alabama and on test day he would always i had some classes with him he would always wear a t-shirt and on the back it said third saturday in october that was like his game prep test prep t-shirt he would always wear but it's it is a it is our Chief rival, uh, Tennessee Volunteers. It's Tennessee Week. It is Hate Tennessee Week or Tennessee Hate Week, whatever you want to call it. And I will be updating Facebook on the daily with some nice pictures. I had one today. So, uh, you know, a lot of good memories here. You know, the last time they beat us was 2006. And I have a daughter who is 15 years old now and a daughter who is 17 and when they, the last time they beat us, the 15-year-old was still taking a bottle. So it's been, it's been, it's been good times. You know, Brian Passink has his daughter was not born yet, and every year he'll tweet out a picture of uh, the last time Tennessee beat us versus this year. And of course, it's a sonogram, and then it's like a teenager. It's, it's pretty good. But anyway, we're we're breaking. I'm breaking into the the game of the week. So I'll let you go ahead with commentary. Then we'll kick it off. Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that uh, in a long time. What you're talking about the uh, kickoff guys and special team folks. Do you remember the wedge busters back in the day? Oh yeah, back before kickoff teams got creative or whatnot there used to be you kicked it and there was going to be a, a 
a, a series of guys that were just forming a wedge that were blocking. And you had, like you mentioned, kamikaze guys that their only job was to go in there and destroy that wedge. <laughs> you don't have to watch for the ball carry. You don't have to do anything. You just pound yourself into that wedge. That's uh, That was a man's man's game back there on kickoff team. <laughs> That's back when the men were men and so were the women and the livestock was nervous. You got it. <laughs> Well, uh, I don't know that I had a specific commentary topic today. I've done this a couple times, just rambled on a little bit. We were talking a little bit. I will tell you one little funny tidbit from this weekend. We were talking before we got on the air that I had spent the weekend in in Biloxi with uh, none other than Top Dog, who's uh, been mentioned on this podcast several times. But we, we played golf and... We were down at the casino playing poker and, and such. But also uh, uh, my lovely wife, Deb, accompanied me on this trip because she's a poker player. You've seen her play. You've seen her action. She's pretty good at it. Um, we were going to dinner, I think it was Friday night. We were hitting the steakhouse in uh, in, in the casino. And <clears throat> it's a uh, very pricey steakhouse. <laughs> and uh, we were... I don't know. It was, it was probably seven o'clock. So I'd been taking some drinks, ingesting and such since about noon. Uh, so, so we get there and uh, feeling good. Deb orders a bottle of wine for herself, <laughs> and uh, we're looking at what we're going to order. And we decide to split the bone-in ribeye. Big, it was, it was like a 24-ounce bone-in ribeye or something. Maybe 28-ounce. I can't remember. It was, a, it was a big big slice of meat there. So so we get that, and, and we're just cutting up and talking and giggling and whatnot. Well, uh, the main course comes, and, and we told him we were going to split it. So he says, well, we'll, you know, we'll just pre-split it in the back and bring it on two plates. And they did. And you can you, you're probably guessing where this is going but the guy gets there to the table has got both plates in front of him and he says all right uh who who wants the bone <laughs> uh, that'd be dim <laughs> you could i could not let that one slide <laughs> in my state i was like well deb's usually the bigger fan <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, that that kicked off my Friday night, but um, a couple of a couple of uh, notable news items out there. At least one in particular, I saw that uh, uh, Ogeron no longer has a, a job. Well, he uh, that's not true. He he no longer has a permanent job. LSU got cut him loose. When was that? It was after the game Saturday. Yeah, he wins and gets fired. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a little was surprising. Uh, yesterday, you know. Right, that was a little surprising. I look back since 1980, the average tenure for LSU coaches is 4.4 years. If you take less miles out of that equation, because he was there for like 11 years, I think. Uh, did it seem like Les Miles was there for 11 years? It didn't to me. I mean, I I'm trying to think when when Saban <clears throat> left was about oh five. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess so, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like you. I, w- I would have guessed seven to eight. 
Yeah, that's what I would have guessed. It, it, it was a big number when I looked. But you take less miles out of the equation, the average tenure is only three and a half years. Yeah. So they're they're gun they're they're uh, trigger happy down there. Probably the only thing messier than that this weekend was Tennessee Stadium. <laughs> that was ridiculous. But I did I I didn't get to see the game, but I watched some of the videos afterwards. I, like I mentioned, I was on the golf course and on the poker table all weekend, so I didn't watch as much as I would like. But there's some pretty good arms in that crowd. Hooker better watch out this weekend. He may get yanked. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I did, now tell me this, and I'm just, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you back in on that a little bit because that was not a game that we had. Uh, prepared to cover last week or this week but were there some egregious calls in that game what what actually went down there well you know that was on during the bama game and we had it on the second tv at gobers and the humble brag yeah for sure and the the reception was spotty due to to, you know not great cell phone service so one of those things just kind of looked up occasionally and and there there was a call where corral I think he did like you know a couple of fakes. Auburn used to run this play to perfection. They would like fake the dive and then fake the reverse, and the quarterback would just stand there with a ball on his hip. And like honestly, you thought somebody else had the ball, and then he would fling it downfield for, of course, a wide open you know guy running wide open. Jason Campbell used to do it really good, and I think Brandon Cox did it as well, and maybe even Cam. So I thought that's what they were doing. What well, they they tackled him and he fumbled. And I saw Tennessee a strip sack fumble. You know, I quit watching it. Apparently, that that play got called back, and they said that he was uh, his forward progress was stopped. <laughs> he was just standing in the pocket, and his well, forward progress was stopped. That's best I can remember. <laughs> and then, so I, I'm in the bed. I, I came home after the Bama game, and you know, Ole Miss and Tennessee was was a lot higher scoring. Well, both teams were scoring instead of just like Bama ran away with it, forty nine to nine. But so and plus it started thirty minutes later. So I'm in bed. I'm like, you know what? I think that game is still on. I cut it on, and there's debris everywhere. The Ole Miss players are twenty yards towards uh, the Tennessee sideline, trying to dodge the the water bottles and the golf ball that was thrown at Lane Kiffin and the mustard bottle. Who brings a mustard bottle? <laughs> To a football game, which I have a hilarious, a an absolute hilarious. We got to get Neutron on the podcast. Neutron has the best stories, man, and he's got a story about going to Talladega that I, I make him tell it every time I see him, and I laugh like I have never heard it. We'll, we've got to get him on. <laughs> but, I mean, dude brought a mustard bottle and chunked it. So, uh, and, and so I'm like, okay, so it was like fourth and 25 and they get 24 yards and they tackle him. And I mean, it was, they got very close to getting the first down They but it was no question. He did not get the first down. And I'm like, why are they mad? Because the ref made the correct call. I mean, I understand <laughs> that you're upset that you just lost, but like they, they got fined for $250,000 and they're going through video footage and everybody that they can find that threw something is being arrested and which amount to a small fine if anything but the main thing is they can't they're not going to be allowed to attend any more tennessee athletic events for the 2021-2022 school year so yeah that's that's pretty brutal for a student that really likes to go to games you know we we never really went to you know i didn't go to all i never went to all the football games and seldom went to basketball games heck i probably hit more baseball games than anything 
So it's got a little bit of teeth in it, but. So the student section for Tennessee is directly behind the visitor bench? I don't, see, I don't think so. I think they're in the bend of the end zone. So we got just everybody That reinforces my, uh, (laughs) that reinforces my, my theory about some good arms out there. Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) But, you know, we kind of touched on, okay, so you said were there any egregious calls, and I, I named the one. I don't suppose you're probably on the golf course. Okay, so if you thought, if you're like, you know what, there's no way that the refs can screw Arkansas as bad as they did last year in the Auburn game. You remember Bo Nix fumbled the snap on a clock play, and when you fumble the snap on a clock play, the clock play is over. You have to run a play. He goes ahead and clocks it and clocks it behind him, and they end up giving the ball to Auburn. Auburn kicks the field goal, wins by two. Mm-hmm. Well, third – this is seven threes in the first quarter. And Marquez Hunter, I think is his name, he's a freshman, really good running back for Auburn. They had given it to him on second and three, and he got a yard, yard and a half. It was like third – I think it was third and one. And they stand him up at the line, and the dude suplexes him, which normally would draw a penalty. And I think the reason it did not draw a penalty is because it was third and one. You know, I think if the guy gains 10 yards and he suplexes him, it probably gets a penalty, a flag. But I agreed that it was no flag. Well, it, he tackled him, and he kind of twisted him toward the, the sideline that was not where the camera was. Well, the Arkansas people are jumping up and down. The Arkansas players, like, you know, pointing their way. I'm like, hey, that must have been a fumble. Or, you know, maybe it came out when it hit the ground. And they replayed it. He's in midair. And the ball comes out. I'm like, oh, it's Arkansas ball. The Nets are like, it's Arkansas ball. And they came out and said after video review, the play stands is called. What it was called was down or whatever. And the reasoning was that his forward progress was stopped. Well, no shit. His forward progress was stopped. <laughs> but here's what irritates me. If if they suplex him down and an Arkansas guy is under him and he bounces off the guy's back and lands on his feet and runs 75 yards for a touchdown, what's going to be the call? Yeah, they're not blowing that dead. No, they're not going to blow it dead. So, I mean, they got screwed. And then another, another one, and this is going to bring me – we'll just go ahead and talk about this and get it out of the way. Um, you know how the football field is lined on, like I'm watching Monday Night Football right now. Okay, so, you know, you've got the sideline, and then you've got about, I don't know, um, what, five to six feet of painted grass. And behind that five – let's just say it's five feet. Behind that five feet is where the players stand and the coaches. You know, and if you encroach on that five feet while a play is coming your way, they'll throw a flag and give you a sideline warning. And, and it, you know, that's a warranted call. Auburn threw the ball on like a, I guess, a fade route, and it landed outside the painted area, and they throw a flag, and and they're, you know, Arkansas saying uncatchable, uncatchable, stare toward the guy they bring on. He says, well, we don't want to take out the player. We don't want to uh, take the player's athleticism out of the play. (laughs) I'm like, Manute Bowl couldn't have caught that. And then Daryl says, Manute Bowl's dead. I'm like, then Sean Bradley couldn't have caught that. (laughs) And then somebody else says, well, Sean Bradley's dead. I'm like, you son of a gun. Freaking Shaquille O'Neal couldn't have caught that ball. You get my point. poor hands. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you need go-go gadget arms to catch that ball. And then my point is the refing is horrible. In the Alabama-Mississippi State game, you said you're watching the poker table, Mississippi State caught a ball. In live action, you know, 
the play's live. I'm watching it. I'm like, he's, he might be out of bounds. I don't know. It was about a 20-yard pass, you know. I mean, it wasn't just a dink and dunk. And so, you know, Mississippi State runs hurry up. Well, they had – it was such a deep pass that the replay, the, the TV, the – what, ESPN, they had time to show it again. And it was clear that when he caught it, his right foot – I'll just make it up. His, his, his back foot was in the air. And the front foot, which is going to be the foot to come down next, was coming down. It came down. I'm Tom. It wasn't even close. It was like half his foot was on the stripe. And I'm right. like, well, that that's incomplete. They didn't even replay it. And hmm. then they replay. They was replay. that the one where he caught it backwards? Like he was going backwards out of bounds? Or am I thinking about it? No, uh, this was just a it's just okay. a normal catch. But then, but then uh, Slade Bolden catches one that maybe wobbled a little bit. I didn't see any way it wasn't a catch. It was called a catch on the field, and then they was like, no, it's, it's not a catch. I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I've said it before, do away replay. It is making – the way college replay is where everything gets replayed, the officials are lazy. They figure, hey, if I get it wrong, the replay, the replay will correct it. But that doesn't always happen. And it's so frustrating when it doesn't. And – Man, I just feel like Auburn gets every benefit of the doubt on replays, and and we and Bama does it. And I'm sure the you need to call your buddy at MIT to run the numbers on that. Yeah, I think they only do the uh, the the luck survey the luck every two years. Well, and so well, I don't, they didn't do it last year because of the pandemic. So <laughs> it might be an order well, this year. I guess I just uh, I guess I just hijacked your commentary. Sorry about that, but. The refs are just they're they're not getting any better and to me let's go to the pro first off let's do this right here I don't know what officials make but they're they're weekend warriors because I mean there might be some guy that is retired that that's all he does is officiate now but like the Al Ford used to be I think he was an he was in the replay booth on one crucial call that went Auburn's way. I think Auburn LSU game one year. He has a, an insurance agency up in the Muscle Shoals, Florence area. These guys get off work on Friday. They fly or drive to their destination. They work Saturday. They they probably you know stay Saturday night if it's a late game. They they're back home Sunday. They're at work on Monday. Okay, we make entirely too much money as a conference. Let's let's be the leader. Let's hire. I don't know. You got fourteen conference teams, and you've got so if if everybody's playing conference foes, you have seven. You would need seven crews. Let's just say ten crews. That will cover uh, most everything with your non-conference weekends. And uh, let's hire. Let's hire one hundred officials and put them on a payroll, and they, they're an official. So that's what the NFL does, and you cannot tell me with the TV contracts that we cannot afford to pay 100 officials and get better officiating because it's just horrid what we have to deal with, and games are lost. Arkansas had one less win last year, and you can say, oh, it wasn't all about replay, and a lot of times it's not, but that game was because that should have been a turnover. Auburn was either out of timeouts or there was under a minute left. Arkansas was going to take three knees and punt or three knees and run out the clock, and that was a win for Arkansas last year. We've got to get better officiating. I'm off my soapbox. Let's move on. Unless you want to add anything to it, we'll recap Bama-Mississippi State. 
No, but you officially can't say you're off that soapbox because you said you're off that soapbox no less than half a dozen times this year. I'm <laughs> and off, you, and you get of, back, you get back on it. But I, I still enjoy hearing you get on it. <laughs> As of October 18th at 7:30 p.m., I'm off the soapbox. Roger. Let's go to let's go to Mississippi State, Bama, Mississippi State. You know, I said that I, I guess I'm chicken little. I'm like, I don't think we cover, and I don't know that we win another road game, and we'll have more on that later. But we won, and we look pretty good doing it. 31 is an absolute beast. I mean, I don't know what Leach was thinking trying to block him with a single tackle. Not only that, a tackle that could not play at Alabama, therefore he transferred. And I'm not saying he's not a good player, but – he was not good enough to play at Bama, so he's probably not good enough to block a Bama player one-on-one. Uh, Jamison Williams, how did how was he number four? I mean, and I think I might have asked this last week. How was he the number four receiver at Ohio State? I assume he was number four because number three is going to get touches. But whatever the reason, Jamison did not think he was going to get enough touches at Ohio State. He transferred to Bama. He's our clear-cut number one. Huh? I mean, I mean, he he's looked so good. And he had another good kickoff return. He's going to t- return another kickoff for a touchdown, and I hope it's against Auburn or Georgia or somebody. Um, <laughs> B-Rob, hey, congrats. Hats off. Tip of the cap to Scott McMillan. B-Rob is showing up. Glad he came back for his senior year. You know, he could have he could have gone, and, and he didn't. Uh, Roy Dale looked better as well, and that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. Trey Sanders just does not have – what it takes injury, you know, health-wise to play SEC winning football in crunch time. Maybe he gets there, maybe he doesn't, but he's a good, you know, run out the clock back. But Roydale looked a lot better. And, you know, we just – we answered the call. Um, During the week, you know, 31 got up there and was emotional at the the microphone stand about he's – you know, I didn't – I seldom keep up with the press conferences like maybe we should since we have an official – podcast but you know he says something to the somebody i think it was him says something to the effect that why did we come to alabama we came to alabama because the alabama standard and we haven't been playing up to the standard and that's the only thing that is about the only thing this team lacks is that leadership that we had last year we had it with mac we had it with smitty we had it with naji uh defensively we had the uh, sertan you know i don't know if he was a vocal leader but we are lacking that leadership. And I know it's it's probably a little intimidating for a second-year player to be that guy, but he's that guy. He, he, he puts his money where his mouth is, and, man, he's just so good, so fun to watch. So if we can come around, we can really be good this year. And, you know, we should not be tested again ultimately until the Iron Bowl, which if you are a follower of Alabama and Auburn, it is what's going on down at the Plains is not good news for Alabama fans. No, agreed. Uh, you made me think about something here um, when you talked about B-Rob and give out a shout-out to McMillan. I forgot, and I should have mentioned this in our intro, but I think we give a little shout-out to Garrett McMillan a couple weeks ago when they were doing an interconference game, and he had, I don't know, several strikeouts or something in there, basically a, a, a crimson and white, you know, 
playing amongst themselves. That's so he smoked their own teammates. That's awesome. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, fast forward to this past weekend and Friday, they went to the defending national champions, and I believe McMillan threw a couple of scoreless innings and had three strikeouts. <laughs> I'm not bunting, you're bunting. Coming up, brother. Coming April 1st. This is also unconfirmed. Now, I know about the pitching, okay? that That's unconfirmed. He might have hit in that game. And he may or may not have hit a home run. I'm not sure about that one. I feel that, like you're just making stuff up now. That one, he may not have hit a home run. Maybe not. He definitely had three strikeouts. But anyway, uh, Bama, Mississippi State. Congrats, Garrett, by the way. Bama, Mississippi State. I did watch the game. I watched it from a poker table at about 30 feet away, so I couldn't get any volume, and I didn't have uh, I didn't have an up-close-and-personal seat to the TV. But Bryce Young, very efficient again. I was, uh, as I mentioned last week, I didn't think he played terrible in Texas A&M game. I think he just the, – the the line give him no help in that game. The play calling give him no help in that game. But I think he showed up, was very efficient against Mississippi State. 20 of 28, 348 yards, four touchdowns. What's not to like there? Defense, you already hit on it. Solid, solid for the day. That was the leading offensive passing team in the conference coming into that game. We held them under 300 yards passing, and not only did we hold them 300 yards passing, they only averaged, I think, less than six yards a pass. I mean, he threw it 55 times in that game. Uh, we we put a goose egg on the rushing board for them. I think they actually ended up with negative one rushing yards. So it was a, it was a good turnaround. It was a solid outing. It's exactly what I was hoping would happen, what I thought would happen. We were on opposite ends of that, but it was uh, – it was exactly what we needed. We needed an efficient game, and I think we got it, and we got it on both sides of the ball. So that was a, a really, really good stepping stone for what needs to happen the rest of the year. So kudos to the coaching staff to get them straightened up for their, uh, for that game, and hopefully that's, uh, that's something we can build on and continue to improve over the next few weeks. Yeah, and we're, we're, that's going to be our game of the week because really we're kind of lean this week. Um, we have yeah, there are Ole no Miss. ranked matchups this week. Yeah, we have Ole Miss, LSU. That should be a, a, a shellacking. Well, but I did hear, I don't know if it's smokescreen or what, but they say that um, Corral is questionable. He's He carried the ball 30 times at Tennessee, and he's uh, a little injured. You know, Bama fans are clamoring for Bryce to turn it up. Well, you know, you turn it up enough times, you're going to get hit. Ask Colt McCory. And, uh, you know, if Colt wouldn't have got hurt, Texas <laughs> beats us that game. If you hadn't heard that from Texas fans, you will. I did hear that. But let, let's touch on the what I meant by Auburn and uh, why it's not good news. Saban has never beat a nine-win Auburn team. And <clears throat> right now they have two losses. So their record possibility before we go down there would be nine and two. And – they not only that, regardless of what we do, they would be that game would be to win the West because I you've got to figure we went out to Auburn, and I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it for all of you Bama fans listening. If we go to Auburn, and Auburn is nine and two, and the West is on the line, you can play that game as if as you can bet that game as if it's already been played because we have zero 
0.0% chance of winning that game. That's not me being a chicken little, sky's falling. That is proof is in the pudding. 2013, 2017, 2019, which they didn't – LSU won the West, but they were a nine-win Auburn team. We do not beat Auburn for whatever reason, and we got the better team. All those years we had the better team, but we do not win at Auburn – when they have nine or more wins. So we desperately need Ole Miss and A&M to beat them so they're not playing for the West. And the sad fact is, too, if they split Ole Miss and A&M and then they go ahead and beat Mississippi State and South Carolina, they're still playing for the West because they'll have two losses. We've got one loss. If they beat us, they'll have the tiebreaker. And I don't – which I hadn't done the math on if they beat Ole Miss and A&M beats Auburn because A&M has two losses already. But A&M doesn't look to – to uh to lose any more so uh, you know they they might go to atlanta i don't know all the tie-breaking rules but we we need auburn to have three conference losses when we go down there and right now it's not looking like they're going to and i had them you know you had them last in the sec west right i had them and lsu as the two worst teams in the west well that went well (laughs) it ain't over brother (laughs) well i had lsu number two so uh Oh, but let's look at Bama UT this week. You know, Tennessee's reeling after the Ole Miss game. They did have a legitimate shot to win that game. And even – even I think they even got – yeah, they got the ball back after the – they had three timeouts left. It was like 56 seconds. And Ole Miss ran three plays and punted. And, and uh, Tennessee got down the fourth and ten from about the 22-yard line, 25-yard line. And the quarterback, what does he do the last play of the game? I did he turns. Oh, he turns it up. He tries to get it, and he gets tackled at, like, the 12. It's not even close. Actually, he runs no, out of bounds. Yeah, I was going to say he didn't even get tackled. He just, like, <laughs> stepped out of bounds like, oh, yeah, I'm a quarterback. I'm not taking a hit. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Hooper, Hooker, Hooker, I think his name is Hooker, has taken over for Milton, and he's been pretty good. But mm-hmm. he got hurt pretty bad on that last drive, and Milton had to come in. And there's rumors it might be ACL. Now, that's not confirmed, and I don't know that, I, you know, Heupel's not going to tip his hand, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't either because you don't have to. But I, I look for – I don't really care who starts. I look for us to continue on. I really think it sucks because Georgia's so good this year, and I, I really feel like we needed that – that Cushion. Uh, that uh, chip in the purse. Yeah, that cushion. When we went to Atlanta, I, I would love to have been 12-0 and 0 in Atlanta where we're in the playoffs, win or lose, and we don't have that now. So we've got to beat Georgia to get in. In my opinion, we do. But I think the, the A&M game is going to be the turning point where leaders step up, kind of like the 2015 uh, Ole Miss game when we lost at Alabama. We started Cooper Bateman, and then Jake Coker's like, uh-uh, no, no more. I'm taking control of this team. He did, and we won the national title. Maybe that happens. I, I look for Bryce to keep piling up the Heisman numbers, and I'm torn. We need we need Auburn to lose to Ole Miss, but they're going to give Corral the Heisman if he finishes with one to two losses. We, we need Ole Miss to lose, or we need Corral to miss. It would be wonderful if he missed this game because you just – like uh, you know, like the Oklahoma quarterback that has just come in on the scene, like he he can't win the Heisman, dude. You can't win the Heisman only playing, only starting in seven games, and and like J.T. Daniels and Stetson Bennett, you know, they have split time. You can't win the Heisman splitting time. If Corral will lose a couple of games, I think Bry- I think the Heisman is going to be Bryce's to lose. 
So yeah, I don't necessarily ahead. even think he needs to 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 lose to do that. I mean, it would certainly help. I agree, but uh, so to this point in the season, Bryce is a clearly better. Some some games have gotten a little gaudy for Corral. But I think Bryce even has better numbers. I didn't look at that and research it, but I think he has better numbers, particularly efficiency-wise. Corral's going to have more rushing yards because of what he does. But mm-hmm. um, from, a, from a pure football standpoint, I think Bryce has, uh, has, has really elevated his game to a notch where it's not close at this point. Now, at this point, there's a lot more football to be played, and, and that could change. But I think he's got a clear lead right now. I hadn't even seen the latest Vegas odds. What a, have you seen them? Uh, Corral is either one or two, and Bryce is one is two or one. I don't know. I hadn't seen right. it after this weekend. I figure Corral's got a slight lead. He had 195 yards rushing, and he you know passing as well. So, uh, yeah, but that 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 was an efficient game by by Bryce. But uh, I tell you what, coming up this weekend though. I look, Tennessee has the number 16 total offensive team in the country, the ranked 16. Surprisingly, their passing offense is not in the top 50, but the rushing offense is number six. Have you followed them close enough to know that that's the style of game they're playing? Uh, No, I really haven't. Um, I hadn't hadn't, either. Would never have guessed that with the the defections they had. Yeah, now we opened up as a – a 27, 28-point favorite in this game. And that's pretty good. And you look at that and you go, well, they're the number six rushing offense in the country. We're going to have to do something there. Texas A&M run the ball pretty well on us. Well, you know who's number four and five? Ole Miss and Florida, two teams we've already beaten. And neither of those teams uh, run the ball on us at all. Not not yeah. for any not for any uh, substantial amount of of, of uh, yardage or or criticalness. So I think that our defense has plenty in the tank for whatever Tennessee's bringing. They're going to have to do something differently than they've been doing all year to be effective against us. And it doesn't help that they're going on the road. I think this one gets out of control early, and I think we need another efficient outing. I would love for this particular outing to end about halftime. We're getting a lot of a uh, lot of backup players in the game. That's not unreasonable to ask for, and I hope that's the way it plays out this Saturday. Yeah, I, I said uh, I hadn't really – I didn't write down the score like I normally do. I do think we hold Tennessee under 18 points, and if, if, Milton, if Hooker is out and it's Milton – I don't know that they get more than ten on us because they're just our defense is as down as we are on as down as we are on them at, at sometimes you know after the A and M game after the Florida game we're still pretty salty. We are, and I, I really think now that thirty one taking the reins and being a leader and on offense you know we've needed that third guy to kind of step up like we, we when we had uh, Judy Ruggs and Henry. And then we had Waddle come in, as we've mentioned, in the Mechie. We just didn't have that guy last year. You know, we had Waddle Smith, and then it was Slade Bolden. And so this – or well, actually it was Mechie. And then when, when Waddle went down, Smith was just so good it didn't really matter. But we don't have a Smith this year. So, you know, it's 
it was it, it was Mechie and then and one eight and one were our two go to guys and then you know Slade Bolden was third but man Treshawn Holden has looked really good. It's like the light bulb has turned on for him in major D one football. I look for him to to really add some some snaps and uh, and give us another dimension because he's definitely more athletic than uh, than the Slade cat. But you know I think we win. I think we win rather handily. It'll be close to whether or not we cover. But uh, we get to the break at seven and one. Really, where I thought we would be, I just thought we'd lose to Florida instead of A and M, and it would have been better to lose to Florida because that's the out, you know that's the cross division game that really doesn't hurt you if you hold serve in the in the West. You know you're guaranteed to be in Atlanta if you lose to the Eastern teams or you know just one loss to an Eastern team. But you know we'll take it. And that is LSU, an inaccurate statement, sir. Why is that? All our all our SEC wins and losses count the same regardless of division. Well, I mean, you're technically right, but I'm technically right too because if you lose to the East, okay, wow, Florida's got the tiebreaker over you. Well, you're not in their division. Oh, you're talking tiebreakers. Yeah. yeah. I got you. I thought you were saying that if you had two losses and one of them was against the East, you're still getting over in over a, a, a two-loss West team. Well, no, but no, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. I follow you now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it's, uh, potato. Sorry, I, I retract that statement. Potato, I potato. I say potato, you say potato. <laughs> yeah, potato's <laughs> not even a word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we do this. We have done this. Uh, we did it at, uh, the after the first three games. The first quarter is a quarter quail. And we picked our CFP preseason or our CFP playoff teams, one through four. We did it preseason. We did it week three. Now we're at the halfway point, so we're going to do it again. And Tom, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to refresh the listeners' minds on this preseason. Tom had Georgia one, Bama two, Clemson three, and Iowa State four. After three weeks, he changed his he changed his teams. He went Bama one, Georgia two, Iowa three, and <laughs> Cincinnati four. So. Who do you have this week, one through four, halfway through the season? Okay, so I obviously have Georgia one. They've been one or two all year for me. They're still there. My number four spot, I've stuck with Cincinnati again. That There's nobody left on their schedule that will be within a 14-point uh, underdog to them. So they could definitely get upset, but if the way the season has went – all they have to do is win now, and they're in, in my opinion. So, and, and again, this is a predicting who we think will get in, not necessarily who I think the four best teams are. Because if I pick the four best teams, they're liable to be four SEC teams in there. So, I got Georgia one, Cincinnati four. I still have Bama in at three. I hate that cushion loss. Preseason, I had picked Alabama to win the West but lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game and still get in the playoffs and then totally redeem themselves. (laughs) But now they don't have that cushion. They don't have that opportunity. Well, I say they don't have that opportunity. They have less of an opportunity to lose to Georgia and still get in. Now, I'm going to follow that right up with saying, and I mentioned this I think I mentioned this in the preseason, and now it to me it looks like it's more of a chance for it to happen. I think there's at least one two-loss team in the playoff this year, 
and potentially two two-loss teams. And I'll tell you why I say that. Because the Big Ten right now, which is traditionally the second-best conference out there, and I would say that they are holding strong to that title this year by a wide margin. I think the SEC, Big Ten, and then there's a severe gap between them and the Big 12. And I don't even know where you rank the ACC and the Pac-10. I have no earthly idea which one's one or two there. I hadn't even studied it. But, but there's a huge gap there between SEC, Big Ten, and then everybody else. But the Big Ten right now has a mishmash of about five different teams with zero or one losses. Mm-hmm. And they have all yet to play each other for the most part. But they're fixing to. And I do not see any of those teams to be elite enough to just cakewalk through that schedule. That includes Ohio State, especially Ohio State. They, they have yet to beat a team yet, not a legitimate team. If you want to say that the, a legitimate team they played was Oregon at home, they lost that. But yeah. I don't think they've played another ranked team. Now, they've – obviously run the score up against a couple of opponents since then, but those opponents have been Rutgers and Maryland. So they still have the the Penn States in front of them, the Michigans in front of them. I don't know if they play Iowa this year, but, but Michigan State, those, those teams are still in front of them. Those teams are all ranked, and, and none of them have clashed yet, but they're all fixing to in the next – not this week because there are no ranked versus ranked, but starting the week after – there's going to be a round robin going through the Big Ten with all those teams. And I just personally don't feel like there's a, a team there elite enough to run that table. I think there's likely a pretty good possibility that a two-loss team will come out victorious in the Big Ten title game. Does that two-loss team get in? Probably. Probably. Because I feel like the same thing in the Big 12, even though they're way down, in my opinion, from a tier of the Big Ten and the SEC, there are still only two legitimate candidates for the playoff, which is Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State is almost in the same boat that Oklahoma is in as far as they have almost lost multiple times, but have somehow come unscathed to this point. And you're ranked, you're undefeated, you're ranked number eight in the country, and Vegas has you a seven-point dog to an unranked team this week. <laughs> that's that's Terrible. how weak that conference is. Yeah, and so they're 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 starting to play teams too. They were front loaded with with weaker teams, and so I I feel like I don't think a two loss team out of the Big Twelve gets in, but maybe with the possible exception of Oklahoma, just because they're Oklahoma. But I do feel like there's going to be two losses out of that conference, and we already know the Pac twelve is going to have two losses. uh, So I think there's a legitimate shot for two losses in there and potentially two two two-loss teams. And I hope that's true because we might get our cushion back if that's correct. All right, so I must have missed it. Who would you go to at number two? Mystery Big Ten team. Okay, so Big Ten. Thank you for being uh, decisive there. I I do want to say this also. I got a dark horse. I hadn't had a dark horse yet, but I no, started. We're not looking, concerned with your dark horse. I started looking at the schedules, and you're not going to like this dark horse, but I'm, I've got them, 
and that dark horse is Ole Miss. Uh, I can I can buy that. They they are in a great situation. They're Particularly only if loss, Alabama wins out. Yeah, because they don't have to go to Atlanta and get demolished by Georgia. And if they went out, I, no, I thought about that. And, and, yeah. and they catch A&M at home. Yeah. So yeah. That they have a legitimate shot of, of winning the remainder of their games. And if they do, they, they may just very well be in, particularly with what I was talking about, the two lost teams. Heck, they may well, keep it, us out and put Ole Miss in if we lose. Well, here's a great scenario We'll get, before I give you my four teams. So, let's say that happens. Ole Miss finishes 11-1. and one, Bama finishes 11-1, and one, goes to Atlanta. Georgia has demolished every team they've played. Georgia beats us 28-24. to 24. We've got two losses. Our two losses are to A&M by three on the road and then to the number one team in the country by four in a, in a neutral site. Do, can you take, do you take Ole Miss over Bama there? Kirk, you can't put Alabama in here. They've, they've already lost two teams. They've already proved that Georgia's a better team. And Ole Miss has gotten better over the course of the year. They're a different team than they were when they played Alabama in week three. You could just look at their record and see it. They're 11-1. and one. See, that's the arguments that you're going to get when it yeah. comes down to that. And people will be clamoring to leave Alabama out. We oh, yeah, even though it. even though Bama's won over 21 points over Ole Miss. Absolutely. You know, I, I would have felt you were mocking Gary Danielson there, but you didn't bring up targeting, so I don't know who you're mocking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Tom has Georgia versus Cincinnati, joke, and then Mystery Big Ten team versus Bama. I can buy that one. Uh, preseason, I had Bama one, Clemson two, <laughs> Oregon three, Ohio State four. At the uh, all quarter, four of those teams have a loss. At the quarter quill, I had Bama one, Georgia two, uh, Oregon three, and Penn State at four. And I think Penn State lost the very next week. So, at the halfway point, I've got Georgia 1 playing Oklahoma number 4. I cannot put Cincinnati in. I've said this on this podcast numerous times. I, w- I have no respect for the G5. Not going to have respect for G5. Cincinnati's best two wins are going to be Indiana and Notre Dame. I mean, what are we playing basketball now, let's, here? Let's clarify again now. We're, we're predicting who I think will be in, not who I think's the best team. So you think Cincinnati's not getting in regardless if they run the table. Exactly. I do not or think they get in. Or you think they're not going to run the table. One of those two. No, I don't think they get in if they run the table. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure in my scenario that we just talked about a two-loss Bama and if we lose by three on the road and four in, in Atlanta. Now, if Georgia beats us 31-7, to seven, we don't deserve to be in. I'll be the first in line to tell you that. But if we lose 28-24, at a, a neutral site is in quotes, air quotes, because let's be honest, at Georgia playing in Atlanta is equivalent to Bama playing in Birmingham. It's not a neutral site. It never will be. And that's fine. We have had no, tr- no trouble beating Georgia in Atlanta for the SEC Northern National title. But I've got Bama at – I've got Georgia 1 playing Oklahoma at 4. And then I've got Ohio State running the table in the Big Ten. I've got Bama beating Georgia. and or Well, I've got Bama making it at 3. I guess I kind of did a mix match of Bama's in at 3. Although, if we run the table and we beat Georgia, is there any question with the number one overall seed? No. 
No, I mean, we're going to be the number one seed. So I guess I put it in who I think the best four teams are right now. I've got Georgia one, Ohio State two, Alabama three, and Oklahoma four. And, you know, by my logic, really, I guess I should put Bama at number two because, you know, we lost on the road. Ohio State lost at home. And, I, you know, I listened to a guy today talk about Texas A&M. And he said, unranked Texas A&M. He said, Let, let's, let's be real. Let's, let's keep this real. He said, you look at the top 25 teams right now in Texas A&M. Did they, I don't know if they made the rankings or not. Uh, if they did, they're, they're 20 or higher. There's probably 15 teams that A&M would be favored over and I, I would fully expect to beat. I don't know how they lost to Mississippi State. I really don't. Arkansas is a good ball club, and Arkansas took the fight to them, and A&M had no answer. How they lost to Mississippi State is just a, a an anomaly. And the way I think they did, I think that Jimbo wanted that Alabama win, and he worked on it, Alabama, for two weeks, and he got his win. And that's fine. They'll, the only people that will remember him losing to Mississippi State are going to be Texas A&M fans, Alabama fans, and Mississippi State fans. Ten years from now, your average Tennessee or Auburn or LSU fan, they're not going to remember that Texas A&M lost to Mississippi State the week before they beat Alabama. Nope. And I think that's why he thought he had enough juice to beat State without preparing, and, and he turns out he didn't. So, you know, kudos to him. He broke a, a number of streaks, as we covered last week, and, you know, tip of the cap. But ultimately, the Mississippi State loss is going to cost him Atlanta. There, There's very little – he has no more margin of error, and he's got to have help uh, from a lot of teams. He's got to beat Auburn and beat Ole Miss – and then and still hope that Bama loses because we've got a one-game lead over him even though he's got the tiebreaker, mm-hmm. you know, over us. So the Mississippi State loss is going to be – could be ultimately costly, but, we, you know, we'll see if it is or not. Uh, anything else you want to say about the CFP before we move on to the bets? I see that you went with all classic teams again. On what? Your, your, your oh group. yeah, yeah for sure. That, one first, a, one, no first time entries in your in your four. Well, I mean, uh, you know, what do you want me to do? Throw Cincinnati a bone? I'm not doing it. They're they're trash. <laughs> they played two teams. They've played Indiana. They've played Notre Dame, and they were lucky to beat Notre Dame. And we just got to we just got to get you into that uh, that room that's making the decisions is all we got. Hey, but you know it brings I, up. I, a, I doubt I doubt the 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 statement gets thrown around in there. That team's trash. <laughs> oh my god, it should. <laughs> you know the AAC commissioner head pops up. <laughs> I would tell the AAC commissioner commissioner you might want to recuse yourself at this point, sir. <laughs> But, you know, it brings me back to Notre Dame. Okay, why did everybody think DJ Ungungale was going to be so good for Clemson this year? Because he torched Notre Dame last year. But Notre Dame is trash. They're not (laughs) any good. Big deal he he torched Notre Dame. That proves nothing anymore, and we've got to start treating Notre Dame as they should be treated, which they're not any good when they play the big boys, they're going to be a consistent with their schedule. They should never finish worse than eight and four, <laughs> but one loss knocks them out of the playoffs. And thank goodness Cincinnati hung that loss on them this year. Even if it means Cincinnati makes a playoffs, that's fine. Notre Dame has no business being in the playoffs unless they're playing Alabama. I like then that. bring them on. 
All right, so let's recap the bets. Man, I, I, I have no answer. If you're betting with what I tell you this year, I'm, I'm a, I apologize. That's all I can do. I have gone with teams. I'm like, this line is fishy. I'm going to go, you know, all the public's going to be on this side. I'm going to go on the other side. I have lost. I have gone with this line looks great, and uh, let's let's go with it. I have lost there. I mean, Florida 11.5 over LSU, who is reeling. Florida has to be mad from what happened last year. Florida has looked good ever since – well, I guess they did lose to Kentucky. But they, they look, you know, good at ba- versus Bama. Kentucky just had their number this year. I mean, you could only beat a team so many times in a row at home. And 1986 was the stopping point. 2021 stopped the 1986 streak at, at uh, the Commonwealth. So I had Florida minus 11.5, loser. I had Mississippi State plus 16.5, loser. I'm 0-2 once again. I couldn't remember what you were. Were you 0-2 or 1-1? I just want to say one thing to the fans and everybody, and I'm not targeting Nation. I'm sorry. I'm extremely sorry. We were hoping for an undefeated season. That was my goal. It's something we've never done here. But I promise you one thing, a lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of this season. And you'll never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of this season. You'll never see a team play harder than we will the rest of this season. God bless. <laughs> we need to put that on a plaque outside Bryant Denny. I was crying too when I was saying it. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Yeah, I <laughs> what went, was your went, record? I went zero and two. His first time nice. I went winless all year. <laughs> and you know what makes this worse? Well, I had Arkansas because I, I thought. I thought I have no earthly idea how the worst team in the West beat them. Oh, I burned the sheet on Arkansas. If you don't, if you didn't know that, yeah, that 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 one was terrible. But the the other one, which is the one you were going to go with before I snatched them out of your your jaws of defeat, was was Missouri, <laughs> and I loved that game. I absolutely loved. I did it. too. I thought that was a super lock. As a matter of fact, I was on the poker table Friday night. We were talking about games, and I give my spill on Missouri, and dude next to me broke out his bed app and bet a thousand bucks on Missouri. <laughs> Sorry, guy. <laughs> Don't know who you are. I'm glad I didn't tell you to listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, and four. Oh, and four. Not good. All right. Let's turn it around this week. What you got for game one? Game one. This is my rebound week. I got Wisconsin. Purdue just walloped. Number two, Iowa, twenty-four to seven, and now they get a home game against Wisconsin that is currently unranked and three and three, and they're an underdog at home by three. They're underdogs <laughs> to Purdue. No, Wisconsin is favored over number twenty-five Purdue That's what on saying. the road. Yeah. Oh, Wisconsin's favorite. I got you. So minus yeah. three. I got Purdue's you. at home too. <laughs> a home a home underdog as a ranked team after you just knocked off the number two team in the country 24-7. Well, I, I'm just going to start going with teams I hope lose, and so I'm going to bet on them and maybe they'll lose. So my first game is going to be Ohio State minus 20. They play Indiana. Uh, maybe Indiana will get the outright win, so we're going Ohio State minus 20. That was one of the games in the preseason that I told Ohio State to look out for was this Indiana team, but they, they have not played very well this year. Um, my second team, I'm going back to the well. 
for ex- similar fashion to my first game, I've got UCLA minus two and a half over 10th ranked Oregon. Unranked UCLA favored by two and a half over a top 10 team in Oregon. <laughs> I'm watching Monday Night Football, and there goes that man, mama. <laughs> you, are you watching it? I'm not. Uh, Derek Henry just ripped one off for I don't know how many. Oh, well over 50 yards, Seven, nice. 76 yard touchdown run uh, against the best defense in the in the league. Mama, there go that man. All right, <laughs> my last game. This I've got two. My free pick is Cincinnati minus 27 and a half over Navy. I really feel like that Cincinnati knows their that the only person in their corner right now is Tom Sims. So they're going to try to run it up. But my official pick. I don't know why this – I think teams are getting way too much cred for playing Clemson close. Virginia Tech, I think they're at home unless I misread the schedule. They're favored by three and a half over Syracuse. So, take Virginia Tech minus three and a half. Roger that. All right. Well, that wraps us up. And to be unprepared and lay up drunk and playing poker all weekend, we made it to 55 minutes, Tom. So, that's good. <laughs> Which one of us did that? Yeah, I wasn't playing <laughs> poker. <laughs> So anyway, uh, remember, oh, I have already put my notes out. Let me make sure I don't get this wrong. Tom, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and you have to hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Junior's grand.